Here we go. Welcome in Thursday. How we doing? Hour number one presented by uh, last year Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. They'll do great work for you. Hope your Thursday is going well. Another setback for the Sooners on the hardwood last night. Baylor beats Oklahoma 82-72. It was a better effort from Oklahoma, but still not good enough in the story of this game last night. Again, people have been saying, why isn't Joe Bamisil playing more minutes? And last night he was a big spark plug for Oklahoma. 10.7 rebounds, led them in rebounding, four of seven from the floor, three block shots, and then you had Otega Owe also playing very well, 10.6 boards, five of 10 from the floor. The Sooners were led by Grant Sherfield with 15. Tanner Groves came off the bench last night, six points, two rebounds, 12 minutes. They shoot 49% from the floor, the Sooners do, 35% from three, so not too bad, but they still – Fell 10 points short of Baylor, 82-72, to 72, and now Oklahoma looks ahead to Kansas Saturday at noon on CBS. So, Parker, last night people have been wanting to see more Joe Bamisil, and what they saw looked pretty good. And it makes pretty much everybody that's paid attention to Oklahoma basketball wonder, okay, why hasn't that guy been seeing the floor more? Because that's been the big lingering question, and one that we've talked about right, on this show yeah. repeatedly is, obviously Porter knows more than we do. And maybe there's stuff going on behind the scenes that we're not cognizant of. But why on earth is a guy that averaged 16 points a game last season not seeing the field in some case, or not seeing the court, excuse me, in some cases at all? How much more athletic did they look with him on the floor last night? A lot <laughs> more athletic, one, If there's right? one thing that guy is, yeah. it's athletic. Yeah, and again, look, uh, the coaches see these guys in practice every day. I get that. Maybe he's a defensive liability. Uh, you know, maybe he gets uh, outside the offense sometimes. But when you're struggling like this, man, you've got to try something. And I know Porter said the other day in his press conference leading up to this game last night that, look, this is more of a grit energy thing. It's not necessarily changing lineups. There's no magic dust, whatever. But Joe Bamisil looked pretty good. He should get some – Big-time minutes against Kansas coming up this weekend, you would think, at noon on CBS. Here's what Porter had to say last night. Uh, he did say, you know, it's a loss, but he did see some more good things. It's just hard with the minutes. You know, you're trying to, you know, jump, jump start some young guy. Uh, Otega gets some more minutes. You know, Otega got 21 minutes tonight. Uh, Joe Bamisil got 18. Um, I still got a ton of confidence in Bijan, but, um, you know, I thought in, in that kind of atmosphere, I, you know, you had – I thought Otega and Milos did some good things. Grant – I thought Grant had really got the ball moving. He had back to seven assists. That's that was good to see him get seven assists. You know, I thought we were uh, we were going downhill, um, and I thought we were having good possessions. I thought we got some transition baskets. I thought we got some easy. I, we got out and ran in transition. I thought the ball was moving, you know, um, and um, I just thought we were playing with a good pace. Um, and uh, um, I thought we really in that stretch. I, I thought we had really good possessions. That's what we got to do. We got to play with that kind of a pace. There you go. We'll see what happens against Kansas Saturday noon on CBS. We've talked about this, Parker. They have seven regular season games left before they get to the Big 12 tournament. They'll be favored in one of those. And that's not a total gimme, obviously, with Texas Tech coming to Norman. That's the game they'll be favored in. And Tech nearly beat Oklahoma State. I know the Cowboys are without Avery Anderson, but they pushed Oklahoma State last night. Cowboys 171 to 68. But let's say it plays out like Vegas, you know, expects it to play out right now in terms of the point spreads. Then you're looking at Oklahoma finishing three and fifteen in the league and thirteen and eighteen Ugh. overall. That that's unacceptable. Ugh. That's unacceptable at Oklahoma. And you can talk about the toughness of the league and give Porter more time. I get that, but this 
this is not good enough. No, it's not. And it was and better last night, but it's still not good enough. And I'm trying to think. Last year, I want to say Oklahoma was 19-15 and 15 after they lost to Texas Tech in the Big 12 tournament. Obviously, ended up just on the outside looking in in the NCAA tournament race. So, realistically, if they're going to still make a push for a tournament berth, which, to be honest, the way this team's playing – I don't think that's on anybody's radar, and it's not something that should be being talked about within the walls of the Switzer Center right now. Your goal should be to just get a win, break through, end this skid. But if they're going to push for a tournament berth legitimately, they have to win. What did you say? They have eight games left? Uh, let's see. They're two, you, 18 league games. They're two and nine, so seven league games left. Okay. So you got to win five of those seven. And right now, it's just not happening. That is not happening. I don't care if you pull up the Fantasy Island with Ricardo Montalban and Tattoo, Mr. Rourke. That's not happening. Right? What would you set the over? The over and under is is one, probably, the rest of the way. And, look, I think they'll probably find a way to win two, but it's going to be difficult. So, again, even at that situation, you're still looking at a, uh, you know, 4-14 four and 14 in the league. They're not going to make the NCAA tournament. I still think, and again, this is nothing that I know. This is me purely speculating here, all right? But I'm paid to give my opinion. If I'm Porter Moser, I'm thinking if Notre Dame is opening up, and we know it is opening up, and he is a guy that's a strong candidate there, I'm trying to get that job. I am, because I think this is a tough job. In this conference, it'll get a little bit easier when you get to the SEC. And I'm not saying that Porter's going to duck and run, but sometimes it's not the best fit. And maybe Notre Dame would be a better fit for Porter. I don't know. What do you guys think? 405-651-3439. Meanwhile, Parker Thune, 34 years ago in the Lloyd Noble Center, it was Oklahoma and Missouri in a classic moment for Billy Tubbs. What a oh, masterful man. moment from Billy Tubbs right there. Billy, Billy, they're asking you to say something to the crowd, all right? So we're going to give you the mic. Please settle the crowd down, okay? And he just incited a near riot. But they love that. Yeah, the audio was a little bit garbled because yeah, it's it so old. But for those of you that missed it or aren't familiar with what happened, Billy Tubbs grabs the public address microphone at the Lloyd Noble Center as the fans are booing the referees. And were they throwing stuff on the floor? Uh, that there were a couple things thrown on the floor. Okay. This was a heated game between Oklahoma and Missouri. The Sooners won that game last night against Missouri. Uh, you know, Billy with the classic moment, they beat Missouri 112-105. to 105. And Billy and Norm Stewart, you talk about coaching rivalries back in the day. Uh, that was a great one. So 34 years ago today, maybe the biggest moment, in Billy Tubbs' history in terms of just Billy. Yeah. You know, not, does... a, not a game or whatever, but I can still remember Mike Treps, the old SID, who was the PA guy, and the look on Mike's face like, oh, wow, how about that? <laughs> Good stuff. But Billy Tubbs, what a classic. By the way, all that audio are Ortho Central clips of the day right here on Steel Man and Thune at noon. Ortho Central clinics in Norman, Midwest City, and now a Tri-City location serving Newcastle, Tuttle and Blanchard, these full-service clinics, treat orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. So, man, Billy, Billy is missed, no doubt. And, uh, you know, 
later in his life, I used to see Billy. We worked out at the same gym, and Billy was still on the treadmill running all the time. Remember, Billy got hit by a car when he was running at OU, and he got hospitalized for a while, and Mike Newell had to fill in as the uh, the Sooners coach, right, you know, there in the tournament. Uh, but Billy always was a, a running fanatic and a workout fanatic, and I got a chance to visit with him quite a bit at the gym, uh, you know, in the later stages of, of his life before he got sick, and always enjoyed talking to Coach Tubbs. It was a, it was a good time. So, again, Kansas coming up Saturday at noon on CBS. You didn't tell – Billy said – Regardless of how terrible the officiating is, do not throw stuff on the court. Right. Yeah, and that is old, old video. So, yeah, the the uh, audio was a little bit garbled, but, yes, he, he took the mic, and that's exactly – it was Ed Hightower who teed him up. I'm almost positive it was Ed Hightower who teed him up again. Uh, and Billy and, was super miffed about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, so good. Those were the days of – Billy got hit on the, high, uh, the worst highway in the world. Yes, Highway 9 over in that area, so – but it uh, it was again the heyday of Oklahoma basketball. That's when uh, you know you had the old rivalries, and I think about Norm Stewart and what a classic he was. I can remember that uh, one time when uh, Norm was visiting OU, Storm and Norman Stewart, and he and Billy would go back and forth and jab each other. And I think deep down they liked each each other, but they would always go back and forth and throw barbs at each other, and. Uh, I was down uh, sitting on press row getting ready for our OU pregame show uh, when I was at KNOR. And Norm came out of the pregame locker room. And this is, the student section was already there. The rest of the arena was starting to fill up just a little bit. But the students were already there early waiting for Mizzou. So Norm walks out. He comes down press row, Norm Stewart. And he's going to go do his pregame interview with the Missouri radio guys, do his pregame show with them. So Norm walks out, and like the student section's really not saying anything, which is kind of crazy because Norm looks at him like, we got a game tonight. Where are you guys? And then they start jumping on him. But uh, Norm was even getting the OU students fired up. So, man, those old Big A battles back in the day, they were classics. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, somebody from the 918 says, OU basketball needs a brash, bold-talking coach. Porter is too timid. I don't know if I've ever heard the word timid used to describe Porter Moser. Well, Porter, again, he's not going to be a guy that's going to jump out there. Like, Billy used to take shots at the Big East, and then they went to Syracuse with Wayman, and they beat Pearl Washington and that team in the Carrier Dome. And kind of like Bob Stoops would take some shots here again at the SEC. So Porter's not like that, not that brash, but I wouldn't call him timid. Yes, Mike in Springfield. Billy called Norm Stewart Francis the talking mule. I remember that very well. Uh, those were good times, great times. All right, we want to thank again last year Home Comfort Systems. We're just getting warmed up, ladies and gentlemen, on this Thursday. I'm Mike Steele along with Parker Thune, home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. We're going to get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Opening day for OU softball. We'll jump into some football stuff. Got a lot of stuff happening. KD to Phoenix. Looks like Russ is going to be bought out. He's already been dealt to Utah. He'll be bought out. May wind up with the Clippers. We'll talk about that and more when we get back.
Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network on a Thursday edition. Riverwind Casino always has the best promotions. February is no exception. 75K love to get away promotion happening right now, as is the Mad Dash for Cash promotion now through February 25th. Play with your wild card to earn points, and you could win one of three $10,000 travel vouchers from Ray's Travel in this promotion or one of five grand prize awards of $5,000 cash. All kinds of other cash and bonus play prizes. It's the 75K Love to Getaway promotion happening right now at Riverwind Casino. Riverwind, all about uh, winning. They're the best with bars and dining, promotions, concerts, service. Won't be too long before the Showplace Theater is back open. There's a gaming area in there now, a non-smoking gaming area. But as they get ready to complete renovations here in the not-too-distant future, we're going to have some great shows back in there. In addition to the Outdoor Beats and Bites Music Festival, all the great entertainment you expect at Riverwind Casino. And I'm here in Earth, Wind, and Fire. We'll be one of the first bands out at uh, the Showplace Theater. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. By, by the way, again, you guys obviously know that Kevin Durant was traded to the Phoenix Suns overnight. Woke up to that news. Uh, you know, KD traded by the Nets to, uh, again, the Phoenix Suns, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder. Uh, Cam Johnson and draft picks going to Phoenix. T.J. Warren and Kevin Durant going to the Phoenix Suns. Looks like Jay Crowder is going to Milwaukee now as they've made a deal. Russ to Utah. He's going to be bought out. Uh, We didn't expect Russ to stay with the Lakers. Where he winds up, we'll have to wait and see. And also, the uh, Thunder sending Mike Muscala who spent four years in Oklahoma City to the Boston Celtics for Justin Jackson as the Celtics are looking to bolster their bench and get some more outside shooting. so How many again, guys named Justin Jackson are there in the NBA? Because it feels like there are mm, like six. This is the North Carolina Justin Jackson, the 6'8 small forward. So the Celtics uh, get a deal done to get Mike Muscala. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. We'll go to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Gunnave Stutzman Army says, Guten Tag, Steely and Thune. In the two games tonight, how many dingers will OU hit? I say six. Six apiece or six total, Gunny? I think he's talking about six total. Uh, somebody was saying on the text line, and I don't know, that Duke's got a pretty good pitcher. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that Oklahoma's going to hit uh, five in these two games. I'll take the under. And they'll, of course, win both games, but I'm going to take the under. Uh, on the text line, somebody said... Barry Switzer and Billy Tubbs coaching at the same school was truly an era. Oh, yeah, because Switzer was so brash and, you know, was kind of uh, regarded nationally as the guy wearing the black hat, and Billy was to an extent because they weren't afraid to tell you what they were thinking. You know, I talked about when Barry Switzer was campaigning for Oklahoma to win the national championship that year that BYU won and then got the uh, sewage treatment facility named after him out in Utah. But Barry Switzer was campaigning for his team, and Switzer always, you know, was he arrogant, cocky, self-assured to an extent. But you know what? His teams were too. And that's what uh, led to a lot of those Sooner Magic moments. And Billy wasn't afraid to voice his opinion either. Like I said, he took shots at the Big East because the Big East uh, was getting so much national attention back in the day. Uh, and Billy would take shots at them left and right. And I told you one of my favorites was Billy had a reputation for running up the score because Billy wanted to score 100 on you 
And, you know, they, they nearly got 100 and a half against U.S. International, right? <laughs> Remember that? They were at 97 and a half. But uh, one of the coaches, it was the centenary game, and they did a pregame piece and uh, played a sound bite. I can't remember who the coach was, but anyway, so well, Billy's got some great teams and everything, but the, you know, the way Billy's going about it, he's not going to have any, that many fishing buddies. And Billy was asked about that in the postgame press conference. Billy, so-and-so said that, you know, the way you're running up, uh, you know, these big margin of victory uh, situations over uh, people in the business that you're not going to have many fishing buddies left. What do you think? And he said, I don't fish. And that was it. So he was saying, I don't care. Obviously. Back to the text line here. Compare the job Porter has done with some recent college football hires that flamed out. In my opinion, he's a good coach, but just bad fit. How Do you think there's any truth to that, that Porter's a good coach, but not the right coach for Oklahoma? Well, you know, here's the issue. You're, you're in the Big 12 right now with a roster you're trying to build that's not athletic enough. You have a few players but you don't have a bell cow kind of guy. You don't have, obviously, a Wayman or a Blake Griffin or a Trey Young or uh, Wayman Tisdale. You don't have anybody in that ballpark. Um, and you're playing against a league where you basically don't get a gimme putt or a night off. You know, So you've got to play at your absolute best or you're not going to win a bunch of games. In fact, you are going to get embarrassed if you really don't play well, like happened in Morgantown. So I do think Porter's a good coach. I'm not sure if the fit's right, but I do know this. You don't – the fan base is difficult enough for Oklahoma basketball. You've got your core group of fans, and then you better start winning or play exciting basketball, and people look at you and say it's only a matter of time. And right now they don't see either of those things. So that's the issue. In Jay, my opinion. Jay in Tulsa says, if I am Porter, I am running to Notre Dame if the job gets offered. Hell, I might even take a pay cut to get there. I'm going to say I think this right now, and like I said, I it's not that I think uh, you know it'll be Porter's decision, but I just have a feeling that that's where he's going to be next year, Notre Dame. We'll see. I mean, I've taken a lot of L's on the air before. I'll take another L if it doesn't uh, work out. But that's just a gut feeling. Somebody on the text line said, we are the night off. <laughs> oh, well, let's, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty Not good. a spot that OU is used to being in, <laughs> in any sport. Um, oh, man. Listener in the 405 said, yes, it's possible he's not the right fit. Look at Shaka Smart. It's a really good example, yeah, that actually. Is. Shaka it Smart is. is a guy that had a ton of success at VCU, flamed out quickly at Texas but is now at Marquette doing pretty dang well for himself. Marquette's, what, the number 10 team in the country? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Shaka Smart, again, did an unbelievable job, obviously, before he went to Texas and things didn't quite work out. Yeah, and, and here's the deal. From the 832, this is not Porter's fault yet, but if he doesn't do a better job recruiting this year and next, he'll be run out of Norman. You know, sometimes, I know the coaches, believe it or not, they do think about their situation and their reputation. What, what happened with Muleshoe? You know, the allure of L.A., not having to go to the SEC, and now, of course, they're going to be in the Big Ten. But I'm not saying that's what Porter's thinking about right now, but when you sit down and think about it, you will have an easier schedule. Things can change, obviously, and I know the SEC's coming maybe after one year, maybe after two. But right now, man, where they are in the pecking order in the Big 12, they're going to have to drastically improve to uh, be a team that's competing for a Big 12 championship. 
and, uh, you know, Midwest roots and all that stuff, that's why I think Notre Dame would obviously be appealing. This is not Porter's fault yet, says one listener. But if he doesn't do a better job of recruiting this year, next he'll be run out of Norman. Another says, I'm sure he is a good dude. But my problem with Porter is his team's play as if they are uncoached and have very little discipline. Joe C. may have missed on this one. I, I Look, I'm going to be very candid because I, I want to consistently reiterate this just because I don't want anything to be lost in translation. I do not think Joe C. missed on Porter Moser. There's a reason why Porter Moser was the most coveted coaching hire or potential coaching hire of the entire offseason a couple of years ago. And it's because he's really good at what he does. And to get Loyola Chicago to where it was under his direction is not something that should be overlooked or diminished by any stretch of the imagination. Now, there are a lot of reasons Oklahoma's struggling right now. I think Porter is culpable, but he's not. All, you also have to acknowledge that there's a lot that's not within his control right now when it comes to the competition across the rest of the league in a Big 12 that's as deep as any conference we have seen in college basketball in decades. So again, Caden McFarland said it well yesterday. Somebody has to be 4-14 and 14 in this league. Somebody yeah. has mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. And it just so happens to be Oklahoma. If OU's playing in the SEC right now, I think you're looking at a team that's squarely within the field of 68. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And, uh, you know, it's it's uh, like I said, you know, I think people, they look at what happened in the Alabama game. And like I said, that was nearly a perfect game for Oklahoma. But, uh, man, it just it hasn't happened for them in the league. They're now 2-9 and nine in the conference uh, on the season after the loss, 82-72 at Baylor last night. And uh, they've got Kansas coming to town Saturday at noon on CBS with seven games left in the regular season okay we should break right here stay on the clock and again 405-651-3439 air comfort solutions text line more of your texts coming up patty gasso and the ou women open up in the mark bradley invitational tonight 6 p.m against duke 9 p.m against liberty those games are not espn plus games they're on flow softball when the sooners are playing home games they will be on ESPN Plus, but you need Flow Softball, a paid app, if you want to watch that game tonight. We'll hear from Patty Gasso when we get back, get to more of your texts. 405-579-3113. Thank you again. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405 579 3113. Tim Lasher, great sooner, great company. Heating and air needs you need addressed, they'll do it for you and do great work. T.J. Eckert coming up next hour at 135 on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Sooner women's softball starts tonight for Oklahoma. They will play Duke out in the Mark Bradley Invitational in Irvine, California at 6 o'clock. 9 p.m. they will square off with Liberty in that five-game event. Uh, Patty Gasso. Queen Patty, I mean, when the statue is built, it's going to have to be like the Colossus of Rhodes, like we talked about for Bob Stoops, a gigantic statue that towers over everything on campus because she's been that good. She has been unbelievable. Uh, Back-to-back national champions. Are they thinking about a 3 P? Well, yeah, we'll get into that here in a minute. But Patty said they're not starting out the season right now thinking about 3 Ps. We don't talk about 
winning three peat those are words that we're not really talking about around here um, because it's premature it's really about the process it's the journey it's all of that all the work we put in and now just playing it out I can't tell you how excited they are to play someone else in a different uniform and so it's just starting off you know, we're just focusing on weekend per weekend. We're just not going down that, that rabbit hole right now. It just it's, it's a scary place to take them, to hear them talk about. So, um, yeah, I just we're just trying to keep it very day-to-day and very simple and not get overwhelmed with looking at rankings and things that don't make absolutely any sense right now. So it's a new team. It's a completely different look. So the similarities are, are not as much there as they were in 16 and 17. So it, it's a different approach. How elevated is this program right now? You lose arguably the greatest hitter in women's softball history. When it comes to home runs, there's no doubt. But all-around hitters in women's softball history, one of the biggest stars in the history of women's softball at the collegiate level in Jocelyn Allo, and you're still the overwhelming favorite uh, to win this uh, event. Did I say the Mark Bradley Invitational? I'm thinking of the uh, old OU wide receiver. It is the Mark Campbell, yes. Freudian slip. Maybe I was remembering the uh, USC punt return fumble. My bad. But, um, you know, Parker, they're at a level. When you talk about what they still have coming back, T.R.A. Jennings might be the best player, you know, that player this year. But they are loaded. And when you add, like, Alex Duraco to the pitching staff, and you add Haley Lee and Sidney Sanders and Alana Torres, and then Kirsten Deal, a big-time freshman, Jocelyn Erickson, a great young prospect as well, to what they have coming back, it's frightening. They are one of the few programs out there where you, I think, can legitimately say – if they don't win a national championship, it's a disappointing season. No, I agree with you. And, and that's crazy. That is crazy, right? And adding Alex Starocco to this program in particular would be like Georgia going and adding Bryce Young. That's what it amounts to. It's if Georgia got done winning back-to-back national championships and decided, you know what? We're going to take the most important position on the field and we're going to get the absolute best yeah, via the and, portal. And then, uh, you know, look at – remember the uh, the series they had, uh, you know, with uh, A&M last year, you know, um, in the postseason. And Haley Lee was the only one – she was a problem for OU. And now she's on the Sooners roster. And will probably be the starting catcher tonight with Kenzie Hansen not making the trip with the appendix issue. So it's going to be an unbelievable season. But there, I mean, I guess you made a comparison yesterday, and you're young. I was very impressed that you made this comparison. Like the John Wooden UCLA teams, where mm-hmm. it was like, you know, it wasn't about winning the conference. It wasn't about having a great record. It was about winning a national championship. That's it. And that is how elite this program is right now. Again, disappointing season if they don't win the whole thing. You guys agree on the text line? I know that's a high standard. And I'm not saying the goal is the national championship. Of course it is. But I'm saying if they don't win it, it's a disappointing year. And you might go 52-1 and one or whatever and, and not win it, and it would be a disappointment. No, I wholeheartedly agree with you because right now Oklahoma is the Goliath of the college softball realm and everybody else collectively is David. And to borrow an analogy from Michael Lewis, when you think about what Oklahoma brought in via the transfer portal – 
especially Alex Tarako and Haley Lee, Goliath went and bought David's slingshot. You know, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And, you know, like Kenny Gajewski has done an unbelievable job at Oklahoma State. And they're going to have a really good team. Kenny Gajewski is probably going to have his best team at Oklahoma State. And, again, I don't think they could beat Oklahoma twice to win the national championship. Now, they've had, you know, there's a couple victories against Oklahoma. I don't think they're completely intimidated by Oklahoma. And they've, they're going to have a really good roster, his best. But it's still not Oklahoma's roster. And, uh, again, it's just amazing the job that Patty has done. All right, 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Let's get there, see what you guys have to say. OU basketball talk radio right now is worse than my psychology of engineering class I took in college. There's not a lot of positive. There's not a lot of positive stuff to talk about. No, yes. there is not. Uh, not really any. Uh, just remember, OU softball is doing this when the sport is at its highest talent level. That comes from a listener in the 940. Border Sooner says with a $9 million buyout, it's going to take – a lot of money and deep pockets for somebody to get Porter. I understand, again, that buyout goes down, I think, after April 1st to 6 mil. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what's going to happen. And sometimes those things can be negotiated down. I'm just giving you a gut feeling as, you know, I, I don't have – nobody's told me, hey, Porter's definitely taking Notre Dame. But there is speculation out there, whether you believe it or not. I, I just have – it's just more of a feeling than anything else. Yeah, and I think, to be honest, if Notre Dame is willing to pony up the $6 million to go and buy out Porter from Oklahoma, in all transparency, the style of basketball that Porter plays makes a lot of sense in the ACC. That's a conference in which he could have a great degree of success and being near his home territory, uh, obviously as a Chicago-area guy originally, the fit makes a ton of sense, and there's a reason why his name is being circulated as much as it is in connection with that pending Notre Dame opening when Mike Bray steps down at the end of the year. We have a Doug in Norman text. Doug, of course, big Sooner basketball fan. Uh, he says, I liken Porter Moser's decisions on playing time for Uwe and Bama Seal to Brent Venable's decisions on playing time for Canick. Both coaches have systems, and game playing time is mostly dictated by an athlete's ability to understand and play within the system. That is usually shown in practice. Clearly, Uwe and Bama still bring incredible athleticism to the floor, just like Kanek in football. But just as clearly, they bring a level of undisciplined activity that heretofore has been unacceptable. The lack of athleticism of OU's team has become so evident that changes had to be made. I, I agree with most of that. I, I think that, you know, Joe Bamisil probably makes a lot of mistakes in practice, maybe is, is not uh, a great system guy. But what I do think is that, you know, you just need to get more athleticism out there on the floor, and you'll take some mistakes on the defensive end. And I thought Bamisil last night, again, uh, he, was, he had 10 points. He was their leading rebounder with seven. Tanner Groves came off the bench last night. He also Joe Bamisil also had three blocks in the game, too. So I just – it was neat to see a more athletic group out there, you know. It wasn't good enough to go get the win, but, again, at least they didn't get totally embarrassed. And I'm about to the point, and I've been at the point with this OU basketball team, and I remember having a similar conversation – regarding the Oklahoma football team circa mid-October. Your season is at a crossroads. 
honestly, screw the system. Just put the best five athletes out there on the floor and see what that gets you. Because what you're doing right now isn't working. And it's not necessarily a referendum on you. Obviously, the league is difficult. And obviously, you're having to navigate the challenges of a conference in which, as you mentioned earlier in the show, Steely, there is no off night. There is no easy win. There is no team that you can waltz into a matchup with and know, okay, we can give 70 to 80% effort and still comfortably win a basketball game. No, that team does not exist in the Big 12. And so if you're Oklahoma and you're Porter Moser right now and you're sitting there at 12-12 and with a seven-game sprint to the finish line to try and make the NCAA tournament, and especially with as much leeway will be granted to you being a Big 12 team, to me at this point, seven games to the finish line, you put your best five athletes on the floor, run them ragged, and see what they can get you. See if they can put you in contention. What do you think the uh, over and under on minutes for Bama Seal should be for the Kansas game Saturday? Like 15, 20? Uh, 30? 30. Yeah, I, I would like to see it there, but we'll see. We will see. Who are the best five athletes on this basketball team? Well, you've got uh, Sherfield. Uh, I think you've got uh, Oway. And uh, I'm drawing a blank in the other freshman. Uzan, um, Bamisil, and I don't know, would Jalen Hill be the fifth? I would go with Jalen Hill. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? If you roll that lineup out, there's nobody taller than six foot seven. And so you're playing small ball, sure, but embrace it. Go with four really athletic guards and one really athletic interior presence in Jalen Hill, even if he is overmatched in terms of size in the post because I do not see a viable path to victory I do not see a viable path to the NCAA tournament if you just continue to espouse the status quo all right uh, we'll get back to the air comfort solutions text line you guys are hardly mentioning the Sanders girl from the portal she might be the best portal acquisition there is we we mentioned Sydney Sanders yeah the Arizona State transfers look uh, good. There are a couple of them, obviously. You talk about uh, Torres, Storacos, obviously a pitcher from Michigan, Haley Lee from AM, but yeah, she's going to be a player, no doubt. And the Sooners are loaded. Is there anybody to pitch to, really, in that OU lineup? Doesn't look like it. All right, stay with us. One more segment. We've got TJ Eckert coming up at 135. We're checking the NBA trade, trade deadline, see if Russ. You know, go somewhere else. He's expected to be bought out by the Utah Jazz after that deal. And there's some buzz about the Clippers. We will keep checking that for you as well right here on The Ref. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. One more segment for this first hour. Thanks again to Last Year Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring the first hour. Appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 405-651-3439 of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Steely uh, Tanner Groves did not come off the bench last night. You know what? You were right. I missed, like, the first four minutes of the game. I was having a Wi-Fi issue trying to get – I was watching it on my phone last night, and I was just mistakenly – I looked at the box score. For some reason, I put um, – instead of Jacob, I put Tanner. So, you're right. So, Tanner was in the starting lineup last night. Uh, it was Jacob, obviously, who came off the bench. So, And actually did a pretty decent job last night off the bench. So, yes, you are correct, sir. Old man issues. Old man issues. It happens too much these days. 
nine. You know, we haven't talked a lot about the Super Bowl. Because I don't like the Super Bowl prep to me. It's kind of boring. I'm just all about the game and, and the halftime show. Uh, any special plans for the Super Bowl? None whatsoever yet. You in the couch and that's it? I mean, gosh, the thing is I've received invites to several Super Bowl parties and haven't fully committed to any of them. So I'm <laughs> I'm basically a week out – or no, not a week out. Well – in, for the analogy's sake, I'm essentially a week out from National Signing Day and still fielding calls from all of the schools involved. So you haven't had a hat ceremony yet or anything? No, no. Hat ceremony comes on Saturday. From the 405, I'll add up a random question, but please answer. Okay, yeah, well, we need to get the question. Missing the Max head, head, uh, Headroom. Wasn't that the guy's name? What did he say from yesterday? Yeah, we had, uh, I don't know if it was the weather-related yesterday, but, yeah, there were there were some digital issues happening yesterday as our signal was fluctuating for a long time. So Here's the random question. Why did Spencer Sanders leave Oklahoma State? Was his eligibility up? Does he not like Kale Gundy? Why did he transfer? I don't understand why. Well, I'm assuming, A, that you're referring to Mike Gundy, not Kale Gundy. Uh and I know that that relationship was a little bit rocky. And there have been folks that have come out and said Spencer Sanders wanted to come back to Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy told him no. Mm-hmm. I don't know enough to know how credible that is from the Oklahoma State side. But no, his eligibility wasn't up. He wouldn't be able to transfer if his eligibility was up. Yeah, and, uh, you know, talked about exploring his options with NIL and other stuff like that. But the the word was, and again, we think this is fairly accurate, that Spencer Sanders kind of left the Cowboys in alerts for the bowl game quarterback-wise and then talked about wanting to come back. And Mike Gundy said, yeah, yeah, yeah I don't think so. And uh, that's why you saw some of the receivers with some of the tweets they had. And now we'll see uh, what happens uh, with that quarterback derby at Ole Miss. From the 316, Porter should leave. OU is a bad place to coach basketball. The only time anyone pays attention is between football signing day and the start of softball. So basically, you have a one week window. Yeah, it's not much longer than that. Look, basketball, again, it is completely, uh, you know, it's a lot about obviously winning and playing or playing exciting basketball and getting up and down the floor. Uh, but we've been having the same conversation about OU basketball for a long, long time. Maybe the Anadarko High School boys coach could take the OU job. That came from a listener in the 580. (laughs) I mean, hey, I don't know how his style would translate given that there actually is a shot clock in college basketball, but remember Sherry Cole went straight from the high school ranks to coaching at Oklahoma, and she did all right for herself. But in all seriousness, mm-hmm. if there is a vacancy at Oklahoma at the end of the year, I would expect that Joe Castiglione is going to take a big swing uh, at whoever his next coach may be. It's going to be a name that people know, that people recognize. I know Grant McCaslin and Kellen Sampson were interviewed last time around before Oklahoma ultimately elected to hire Porter Moser. And there was a preeminent thought that it was going to be McCaslin or Sampson, Porter Moser, Kind of took everybody by surprise when it was announced that, you know, the Oklahoma job. I think it was, I think it was John Rothstein that reported 
The Oklahoma job is Porter Moser's if he wants it, and then within 24 hours, the contract was signed and Porter was the next Oklahoma men's basketball coach. Gosh, somebody texted in and asked and said, explain the franchise tag. I, 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 I don't think we have time to do that right now. No, the franchise tag is it. one of those things Google to which there's a lot of nuance. It does. Basically, it's a one-year informal contract extension. Yeah, and you have to. There is a percentage part. Of, you know, you have to be in a certain percentage of other players at your position. All of that. There's this thing, Google or Wiki it, and it'll explain it a lot better than we can because it's going to take longer than what we have left in uh, this particular segment. The only time Oklahoma gets behind their basketball team is when we have Oklahoma's homegrown players like Blake Griffin and Trey Young. That's a listener in the 405 chiming in. I mean, look, if they're good players, if it's Hollis Price or somebody, you know, do the Oklahoma kids help? Yes. And you think about some of the greats, Blake, Wayman Tisdale, Trey Young, uh, certainly all great players, Alvin Adams back in his day. But you just, you know, as long as you're winning, you're going to have a pretty – and winning big, obviously, then you have a chance to fill the arena. Other than that, it's always been a challenge. Now, I, I'm about to age myself, but I took my college visit to Oklahoma – the day after Trey Young committed. Mm, okay. And so I get to campus, and there was revelry, Steely. All the admissions counselors were like, hey, did you see our, our basketball program picked up Trey Young yeah. yesterday? Yeah. It was cause for celebration. It was pretty much down to OU in Kansas, and it was a great get for Lon Kruger, no doubt. And Trey, you know, obviously has become a superstar in the NBA. Had, you know, kind of a – disappointing overall year team-wise for the Sooners that year, but you could see this kid was unbelievable. All right, we want to thank Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring hour number one. Hour number two coming up with T.J. Eckert and more. Stay with us. All right, let's get going for hour number two. It's Mike Steele with Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon, well into the uh, second hour now, the 1 o'clock hour. We've got T.J. Eckert coming up on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, 405-329-9000, coming up at 135. Hour number two also presented by, as always, the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for the Seth Wadley Auto Group. You're looking for a car, truck, SUV, pre-owned vehicle. They have a tremendous selection. And, again, a fantastic guarantee, CES guarantee, uh, oil changes, and engines for life. On new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. That is awesome. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's good to have you with us. Again, 405-651-3439 of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. That's 405-651-3439. I got a, a question on Twitter from Yahoo McDaniel, who I assume that is <laughs> not Wahoo McDaniel's uh, great-grandchild or something. I don't know. But Yahoo McDaniel says, do you guys think the Sooners will have one more year or two in the Big 12? I'm still going for one, even uh, though these reports. I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm okay. going to throw some chum to the Sharks. Here we go. Wouldn't be shocked if we had some more news on that whole situation very soon. Really? Yes. Any chance, like, wipe the schedule clean this year and it's SEC? I No, I don't okay. think it's that sweeping. 
But right. again, the Big Twelve, most of the the Big Twelve higher ups don't want Oklahoma and Texas in the league. And you say, well, they want the money, but everybody is just tired of the situation. The holdup has been Fox and how Fox is going to be paid off. How they might be given some inventory or something like that. Uh, Fox is the major stumbling block down the stretch. But I'm with you. I think it's going to be one more year. This is what Josh Pate said on Late Kick the other day about Oklahoma and Texas and their situation stuck in the Big 12 right now. We're breaking up, but neither of us are going to move out yet. But you also can't see other people, and it's just supposed to work. That's Imagine those teams going on the road for the next two years. Imagine the attitude you already have if Texas comes into your building. And then imagine knowing they won't be back here in 24 months. We'll just never see them again. Right. We don't really have to act responsibly. And the other part of that is... The league, the SEC, went to Georgia about a a few months ago, said, you got to take Oklahoma off your schedule. See, everyone's going to see Georgia has a trash schedule this fall, which they do by SEC standards, and you're going to see they don't play any major out-of-conference games aside from Georgia Tech. Make of that what you will. And they're going to say, shame on Georgia. Georgia had Oklahoma scheduled this coming year, and the SEC, thinking they were going to get this merger done earlier than 2025, said, We need you to take Oklahoma off the schedule because it may be a conference game by then. So Georgia acquiesces to the request. Then the merger doesn't happen. And now Georgia is stuck with a complete trash can of a schedule this year. There you go. There you go. Right there, ladies and gentlemen. Late kick Josh. Josh Pate talking about what's going on. And again, I'm going to say one more year. I'm going to say one more year. And you, Parker, right there, you heard him. It sounds like he's he's got inside info. How quickly do you think this could be announced, that this would be the last season? Days. Mm. A matter of days. Interesting. Yeah. Very I, interesting. Look, I, it really felt like like the knee-jerk reaction I think a lot of us had when the news that Pete Thamel and – Brett McMurphy and company all broke kind of simultaneously that it looks like OU and Texas are stuck in the Big 12 till 2025. It it felt like a smoke screen for something, right? Never really mm-hmm. felt like that was going to hold up. And they said talks have stalled. What they didn't say was the move is off the table until mm-hmm. 2025. And I thought it was very clever the way that they worded that because here's the thing. People need to understand that the way athletic departments function – Guys like Pete Thamel and Brett McMurphy are putting out what athletic departments want them to put out for the sake of leverage. A lot of times so, that's the case. Yeah, a yeah. lot of times. I'm not saying not saying that they're not good reporters because I think they both are, but sometimes well, that no, happens. That, that's yeah. their job, Yeah, and they're really good at it. And that's, I mean, in essence, I feel like that's what the reports from Thamel and McMurphy and others amounted to was it was – and I don't know exactly who, but felt like there were some people that wanted to progress with the conversations or, you know, just get this thing done, finalize it. And there were others that were relatively reticent. And so putting something like that out there, A, it raises the public antenna mm-hmm. and it tunes everybody into the reality that there's still some obstacles that need to be overcome here. But if, you're one of the individuals or one of the entities that are putting up those roadblocks in these exit conversations between OU and Texas and the Big 12 and the SEC. 
you're probably going to be a little bit more willing, and in fact, you're going to need to be a little bit more willing to budge on some of those things if there is a ton of public discourse surrounding the situation and why this whole thing needs to be expedited. Yeah, I, I think you're right. 405-651-3439 of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Again, 405-651-3439. I, you know, I'm ready to get to the SEC. And, again, I don't think it's going to happen, obviously, this fall. That would be really a crazy story if that happened. But I do think one more year. And, again, it's all about the money and making everybody happy financially. And then I think it's going to be good to go. Couple things on the text line. OMG, we need football back ASAP. So tired of hearing about some old man in college basketball. Who's the old man we were talking about? I don't know. Billy or Norm Stewart or something like that. Um, I I feel obligated to ask: Is everyone aware that Kelvin Sampson and Kellen Sampson are different people? Kelvin the father, Kellen the son. Because we've gotten a lot of texts the last few de- the last few days I would say where people whether wittingly or not have conflated and confused Kelvin and Kellen Sampson like for instance we got a text a couple minutes ago please not Sampson we don't need sanctions again that was Kelvin Sampson the guy that would be in contention for the Oklahoma head coaching job if Porter Moser were to leave is Kellen Sampson so again those are two different people I feel like that's widely understood maybe not unanimously understood so now that we have that clarity, what is the name of the song you guys play going into that last break? I want to know what band to hate. Listen, that list, that's a uh, listener from the Shady 580 as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't even that remember song, what it was. Well, the song that we always play going into our final break at the 12 o'clock hour is Hook by Blues Traveler. Oh, okay. It's, yeah. it's actually yeah. a brilliant song. It's, it's truly a brilliant song because if you read the lyrics – or you really listen to the lyrics? John Popper wrote a bunch of lyrics about how lyrics don't matter mm-hmm. in a song <laughs> as long as the melody is catchy, and then he just set it to the same chord progression as Pockable's Canon in D, and it ended up being like the number six most popular song of that year. Yeah. That, that's it's a very subtle all, statement that was spot on. All right. Who on this list makes it to the Hall of Fame? Well, I don't see the list from Terry and Okay, let's see. Uh, modern era finalists, class of 2023. Oh, this is the NFL. Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Rondé Barber, Dwight Freeney, Devin Hester, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Albert Lewis, Darrell Rivas, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, Darren Woodson. Oh, gosh. Devin Hester, to me, is a lock. Has to be. Nobody has ever been more dangerous as a returner and really changed the Didn't game. Didn't Devin Hester the return that, the opening kickoff in that Super Bowl against yeah, the Colts back for a TD? The Colts ended up winning the game, but, uh, man. I'd say Jared Allen's a Hall of Famer. Well, he could get after the quarterback, yes. As, no a, as a longtime Bucks fan, I'm always going to be partial to Rondé Barber. Andre Johnson flies under the radar. That's a guy that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Joe Zach, Thomas to Zach me. Zach Thomas was a really good player, even though he's a former Red Raider. That's right. He was a former Red Raider. One of the greats at Texas Tech. Darren one of the Woodson, greats. Dallas Cowboys safety. Oh, man. I don't know. That's. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Thomas. Nobody close on the list. 
From the 918, hey guys, is there any way a women's basketball coach can be the head coach for both the men's and women's team at the <laughs> collegiate level? Asking for a friend. I've never seen that. You know, there were rumors that uh, they've never been confirmed, but at one point, I'm thinking was it when Jeff Capel was hired, that Gino Oriema was at least talked to. I don't know if it was by really? that about OU. Uh, here's a listener from the 405 chiming in on the text line. Steely, do you remember how mad Al used to get when people said Kelvin Sampson's name wrong? Oh, Kevin, when they called him Kevin, I think it was. Yes. Yes, I do remember that. Kelvin, and by the way, they massacred uh, Tulsa last night. I've got a clip in there from Kelvin. Uh, he was asked about why he's been so successful at Houston and why his players uh, love him so much. They beat Tulsa last night. They beat him. Uh, again in H Town, eighty to forty-two is the final. Houston's twenty-three and two on the season. This was uh, what Kelvin said: uh, why he's been successful with uh, his players at Houston. Kelvin, where are you? Okay, here's Kelvin. I have to tell the truth. I don't always tell them what they want to hear, but it's extremely important that I tell them what they need to hear. And sometimes I'm brutally honest. And a lot of times, the first time they've heard the truth is when they got here. Because I don't tell them how great they are. I tell them how hard they've got to work to be great. We there need more go. Kelvin Sampsons in our go. society. I remember his line used to be, we don't have any McDonald's All-Americans here. We have kids who eat at McDonald's, but we don't, you know. So, yeah, he's done an unbelievable job. Uh, you know, no question about it. Uh, since taking that job at the University of Houston. All right, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. There we go. Speaking of football scheduling, where are we in regards to getting the Army game rescheduled? I haven't heard anything on that. Have I you? haven't either, and man, I, was... I need that one to get rescheduled, Oh, my man. gosh, man. That Ugh. would be such an awesome. Sooner fans were so fired up about going there, you know. That would have been incredible. Hopefully, I don't know, you know, with the SEC situation, what's going to change, how far scheduled that they are. They are for a while. But uh, I haven't heard anything on that situation. No, I haven't either. I just – that it needs to happen at some point. And I, I, I recall Joe Castiglione at the time expressing that there would be an effort down the line, maybe not for a few years, but that there would be an effort down the line to get that game back on the schedule, which, gosh, that was – that was a trip I had bookmarked for years. I couldn't wait to get up and cover a game at West Point. So hopefully we see that one pop up on the schedule again a couple years down the road. All right, we've got some recruiting stuff to get into when we get back. Darrell Rebus should be a lock. Rebus Island, man, that dude was a lockdown corner. There's no doubt, 918. All right, 405-651-3439. Uh, we'll talk a little pseudo-recruiting when we get back as well. TJ Eckert, 135. Stay with us. Here in the ref. Sooner basketball team will next be in action against Kansas Saturday at noon on CBS. Seven games left in the regular season before the Big 12 tournament. A loss in Waco to Baylor, 82-72 last night. Cowboys survived a scare at Gallagher-Iba Arena, beating Texas Tech, holding on with some late heroics. To beat the Red Raiders, 71-68. West Virginia over Iowa State, 76-71. Thunder next in action tomorrow night in Portland at 9 o'clock. Oklahoma City did send Mike Muscala to the Celtics for Justin Jackson. Uh, Mike Muscala, four years in Oklahoma City. 
Um, but again, not a lot of minutes to go around with uh, you know this young basketball team in the future. For wasn't Mike it uh, Bucknell where Mike Miscala played his college ball? Um, I'm trying to remember. Was let me go ahead and Google it up. I seem to recall that somewhere embedded in the back of my head that he played college ball at Bucknell. Mike Muscala. I'm fact-checking. I'll get it before you do. Probably. Racing. You're young. You're young. Bucknell, baby. There you go. 2009 to 2013. There you go. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. What's up with this Michael Hawkins situation? He's trying to uh, transfer, and there's some roadblocks being put up with the uh, UIL in Texas, right? Yeah, basically the UIL in the state of Texas makes it impossibly difficult for any kid to transfer schools without a thousand hoops to jump through. And the situation still isn't resolved. Mike and his younger brother Malik, their eligibility is quote-unquote in limbo last night per the report from Sean McFarland of the Dallas Morning News. And it's just so unfathomably stupid all around because obviously anybody that knows the circumstances surrounding the Hawkins transfer understands that there is a legitimacy to the situation and understands that there is a reason why they're seeking a transfer. It's not just to get Mike in a better situation as far as football is concerned. And if that was what it was about, the kid would have gone to Duncanville or Lovejoy or somewhere that's an actual football powerhouse, not Frisco Emerson, which has only been a school for two years at this point. So I, it's frustrating. I know how frustrated the kid and the family are right now. It's a situation that has played out time and time again over the last few years with UIL down in Texas. And the entire system and the entire process is maddening to go through. I know this from multiple accounts. He's far from the first kid that has had to jump through all of these hoops to try and transfer schools. But hopefully it all gets worked out pretty expediently here because that is one of the things right now that is holding up the recruitment process for Hawkins. He wants to be clear of this whole ordeal before he locks in a commitment. From uh, Johnny Boy on uh, Twitter, Steely, which Sooners are headed to the Combine? Well, that that list came out, I think, the other day, didn't it? It's Marvin Mims. It's uh, Anton Harrison, Eric Gray, Braden Willis, Wanye Morris, Jalen Redman and Michael Turk. I think that's. I think there were seven that were invited: Mims, Harrison, Turk, Redman, Morris, and Willis and Eric Gray. Yes. I and think that's... fun fact. Time for a fun fact here on. I Steel love Man fun facts. Game. Michael Turk is about to become the first individual in history to participate at the NFL Combine twice. So it happened when he was at Arizona State, is that it? That's right. So he participated, I believe that was, it was 2020, that's what it was. He took part in the 2020 NFL Combine. Then COVID, that was obviously right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, Turk wasn't selected in the NFL draft, and he was able to successfully appeal to the NCAA to have his eligibility reinstated because of the extenuating circumstances. It was the first time in history that it had happened. It was a watershed ruling by the NCAA. So Michael Turk, uh, I believe at the 2020 NFL Combine, absolutely obliterated the bench press record for punters at the Combine. 
And now he's. I gonna... wonder what the former uh, record for bench pressing was before Michael Turk took it. Yeah, there aren't many punters built like Michael Turk. Shabat, Sebastian, uh, well, Sebastian Janikowski didn't punt, though. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me, I guess. All right, 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Again, 405-651-3439. Let's go. Can we get fan money together and move the Hawkins to Norman High School and play in the safety of the OU shade? I'm sorry, I was reading another one. What was that again, old oh, man? you were dis- you yeah, distracted. I was Attention to Can we get fan money together and move the Hawkins family to Norman <laughs> High School and play in the safety of the OU shade? That was the text. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Doc says if memory serves, Muscala was on the Bucknell team that upset Kansas in the first round. Uh, gosh, that was – I know that Bucknell t- – I didn't realize it was Kansas that they had beaten, but I knew they got to the NCAA tournament and they had upset somebody. So – yeah, I, that that tracks as far as I know, Doc. Uh, f- yeah, somebody mentioned the actual number. Turk repped 225 pounds 25 times at the NFL. Pretty combine. good. That pretty is good pretty good right there. I cannot bench press 225 pounds 25 times. I'm guessing you can't either, Steely. It's been a long time since I've seen. A I wonder if press. Teddy Lehman. It's been could. about. It's if been about nine years. If there's anybody on staff at KREF that could bench press 225 25 times, it would be Teddy Lehman. Yeah. Uh, and according to the 405, the previous record was three. The previous record was three? Like, like three reps? Three reps? Yeah. That, that, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, th- th- that would surprise me. Just because I know punters aren't the most muscular individuals, mm. but three reps? You're telling me no punter in history had ever bench-pressed 225 more than three times until Michael Turk? That's nuts. Yeah. I guess it's a little bit surprising, yeah. The powers – oh, here we go. This is – I don't know what this text is referring to. The powers that be are taking the fun out of the game. The game is about building solid relationships and brotherhood. What game are we talking about? I I don't know. Is that basketball? Is it football? Is it softball? It's a very vague text. A listener in the 918 asks, Help! Why is the loser OSSSA blocking private schools from public school playoffs? WTF. Gosh, people are just just all over the place on the text line right now. It's kind of random, yeah. One, I'm like, okay, what game are we talking about? So... We'll see. I uh, man, the the text line has become chaotic. Do- Here's one from Doc Parker. How many wide receivers do you anticipate in OU's 24 class, and who would be your ideal or most likely group? I think most likely right now, as far as the group that Oklahoma signs, I'm going to go with Bryant Wesco, Midlothian, Texas; Isaiah McMorris, Bellevue, Nebraska. And Javarius Green, Shelby, North Carolina. Now, did you say the other day that Wesco, you think, might be the first commit? He could be. He could be. Um, I, I, If you make me put money down, I think I'm still putting money down on Michael Hawkins. But there's a chance. Is the story of this uh, coming class, the 2024 class, 
um, going to be how many elite defensive linemen Oklahoma might sign? Would that be the headline? I think so right now. Yeah. When we're talking about, you know, the guys we talked about yesterday, Will Winery, David Stone, Nigel Smith, Davian Sims. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people are talking about there's a possibility, possibility that Oklahoma could get all four. We'll see. Uh, oh, gosh, somebody from the 918 said, Turk, what will be higher, his 225 bench press reps or the number of times he punted it in the end zone last year? I, I, I don't even want to get into that conversation because, trust me, if Michael Turk had had – I don't want to throw the I don't want to throw anybody individually under the bus, but the Gunners didn't help Michael Turk out. Uh, the the not surprising news of the day: we made James Peoples top six. There you go, four star running back out of Veterans Memorial in San Antonio, Texas. Oklahoma is a major player there, and I consider them the leader right now for James Peoples. There you go. So some uh, some good news as we still await what's going to happen. Who will be the first one to commit again in the 2024 Oklahoma recruiting class? From the 580, wasn't Turk a safety in high school, but had an injury, so he became a punter. Probably while he's such a, or probably why he's such a unit at punter. Yeah, Michael Turk's story is really cool. I wrote about it back in the fall of 2021. I talked to him. I talked to his brother about the journey. Yeah, Turk was a guy that basically played safety. All throughout high school, realized he was never going to play Division One football as a safety. Took a gap year and just started punting hundreds of footballs every single day. He'd never punted before, but of course his uncle Matt Turk was a successful punter in the NFL for close to 15 years, as I recall. And so Mike was like, you know what? Give punting a try. So it was literally all he would do with his free time is just go and punt. And he eventually ended up getting an opportunity to play at Lafayette. And then he transferred from there to Arizona State where he would, I, he sat out the 2018 season because of the redshirt regulations at the time. Played there for two years, 2019 and 2020. And then obviously transferred to Oklahoma shortly before the 2021 season, played two years at OU. But, yeah, not a guy that picked up punting until he was 18 years old, which is wild. That is crazy. All right, 405-651-3439. Thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group for sponsoring our number two here on Steelman and Thune on this Thursday edition. And uh, Seth Wadley, great selection, Exit 72 in Paul's Valley, cars, trucks, SUVs, pre-owned vehicles, and a great guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Break time, we'll come back. T.J. Ecker joins us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. That is coming up next. Also, more of your checks on the Air Coverage Solutions text line. Keep it here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. All right, our friend T.J. Eckert joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Riverwind Casino right now with some great February promotions you are going to love. A 75K love to get away promotion happening now through uh, February 25th. Play with your wild card. Earn as many points as you can. You could win one of three $10,000 travel vouchers from Ray's Travel. One of five grand prize awards that they'll award later in the month. 
$5,000 cash for each of those five grand prize winners. All kinds of other cash and bonus play prizes. They also have the Mad Dash for Cash happening. Riverwind, of course, with the great bars and dining, best promotions, best service, best concerts, world-class hotel, big-time poker room. You are always going to have a great time at Riverwind Casino. And I will be out there again on Friday, tomorrow, doing the show live at Riverwind Casino. So, again, get out there and enjoy uh, competing for your share of $95,000 in cash and bonus play in February at Riverwind Casino, simply the best. T.J. Eckert joins us. T.J., we have been talking about uh, some Oklahoma basketball, and uh, there's some buzz out there again that Porter and Notre Dame, there might be some more mutual interest there between both parties. Uh, Right now, do you think that, Porter Moser will be coaching at Oklahoma next year. What's your guess? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'll I will say yes, but on, but not confidently. I, you know, like you said, there's there's certainly mutual interest there. I think Moser's a good fit in the Midwest. I think he'd be a good fit in Notre Dame, and Notre Dame feels like culturally he'd probably be a good fit there as well. So uh, I, I I don't know. In the grand scheme of things, if if Notre Dame is a – we can debate that, I guess, if that's a step up in job title for, for Moser. But for Moser personally, I would imagine that it probably is a step up. So um, I, I'm going to guess that he's going to be back at OU. I think Notre Dame's probably going to have a pretty decent list of candidates to replace uh, Mike Gray there. But, I, I, again, I don't say it very confidently because it does appear that there's quite a bit of mutual interest. We've talked a lot about how Oklahoma needs to improve – as a basketball program, TJ, and what that tangibly looks like. What do you think, whether it's Porter Moser or someone else, obviously I think the consensus hope is that Moser is Oklahoma's basketball coach in the long term, but whether it's Moser or someone else that's leading this program into the offseason as they prepare for the 23-24 campaign, and it looks like their path of the tournament is all but foreclosed here in 2023, but as we prepare for another offseason for Oklahoma basketball, what does the priority need to be in terms of personnel, in terms of philosophy, in terms of the various ways that you can take a basketball team and improve its bottom line? Right now, at least with this team, Parker, in the short term, it's mentality. I think last night was, although a loss, and we don't count moral losses, you know, those, those types of games, or moral wins, whatever you want to call them. We don't, the mentality's been so bad with this team recently that that's, kind of been the big issue for me was just being almost mentally weak in a way uh when a team when they get hit in the mouth early they just have no response there's no real true leadership on that team i think jalen hill's a good leader but it doesn't appear that that leadership has kind of shined out through the latter half of the season so mental toughness has to improve i felt like that was something that porter moser was going to bring in and something that i think his team at loyola had uh so you'd like to think that that would improve that that's Step one for me. Step two is to continue using that athleticism. I love what they did last night with Joe Bamisil and Otega Owe. I, I love the energy and the athleticism they brought to the lineup and into the game. Now, there was some sloppiness that came with it. There were some turnovers and some really out-of-control plays. But that athleticism is something I think that they need to bring to these lineups, especially in the Big 12, as long as you're there. And then when you move to the SEC with the athletes that are in, that, in those lineups there. So I think the athleticism needs to continue. And then Parker, you and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, is finding a big man. Let's, let's get someone we can throw the ball in the post and get a couple buckets here and there, be an enforcer down low. They haven't really had that in a while. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. I feel like they got they got some good guards. They got good young guards. Um, 
they have some shooting. I don't think it's necessarily going out and trying to find a bunch of three-point you know, deadly guys, but I think it's athleticism, mental toughness, and then if we can go get a big man, that'd be good too. What do you think of the uh, KD to Phoenix trade? We're waiting to see what's going to happen with Russell Westbrook. Uh, the the thought, and again, the trade deadline uh, at 4 o'clock today, I think Oklahoma time, um, is when it's over with. But, uh, you know, you're going to see Russell Westbrook send somebody Somebody else is going to buy him out, and Paul George is apparently trying to recruit him, uh, get him to the L.A. Clippers, so we'll see. But what did you think about Durant to Phoenix? That looks like a pretty formidable lineup there in Phoenix now. It does, and it's obvious that Durant wants to form a super team because he went ahead and had them uh, go get Darius Baisley, too. So yeah, he continues to want to build those super that's teams. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he, that's one of his, his key things. He wants to be able to build a big three or four there so they got Baisley. Uh, it's, I mean, it seems like a good fit. Uh, I, I think playing with Chris Paul, at least the latter half of the career, Chris Paul has, has proven to work out for some guys. Uh, but yeah, you look at that four with with Paul Booker, Durant, and DeAndre Ayton. Man, that's that's a that's a really solid four that you got right there. And I'd be curious to see how they fit. I, I I don't know I don't know what that fit will look like. You got you know I mean not that all three all four of those guys are completely different players. So I think it would it should work out in theory. Um, but it's certainly it's certainly interesting. I know there was talk people Thunder fans were you know making it a big deal, maybe trying to go get Durant back here. And there was a lot of people saying no. He's still one of the best scorers in the league. He's not the best scorer in the league when he's healthy. So I don't think there would have been too much hate had they been able to trade for Durant. Uh, but it seems like a pretty good fit there in the desert. TJ, I don't know that there's a clear answer to this question, which is why I'm eager to get your take on it. But come late April, who's the highest drafted Oklahoma Sooner in the NFL draft? Ooh. Man, there's, yeah, you're right. There's really not a clear answer on that. You'd ha- I kind of have to bat that around a little bit. I mean, talking through it, you, you got to figure there's, what, an offensive lineman that ends up getting taken fairly high, right? I mean, there's got to be a guy that goes maybe the first or second round there. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be like a skill-type player that, that goes early. Um, man, I, I'm not sure. Parker, that's, a, that's a really good question. I, have, you guys, have you guys batted around a name or two that you think is going to be like the guy? I think many would probably say Anton Harrison, but as with many offensive linemen, right, a lot rides on his NFL combine performance because we were having the first-round conversation with Orlando Brown in 2018. He bench presses nine reps and runs, what was it, like a (laughs) 5.6 and ends up getting drafted in the third round instead. And and it worked out for him eventually, obviously. Um, And I think think – I think I think if I were to you know a betting man, Anton Harrison would be my pick too. That's kind of like you said. It all depends on how the pro day and the combine goes. Um, but that, I mean, yeah, I think right now at, at this stage, you you would think that Anton Harrison probably has the highest ceiling or the, the highest floor, I guess, right now for an OU draftee. So that'd probably be where my money goes. But again, kind of like we were talking about earlier with the confidence level, I don't have a lot of confidence in that just because we got to see what he ends up doing in Indianapolis and then at, at his pro day as well. TJ, thanks for your time. Much appreciated. We will get uh, back to another conversation with you sometime next week. Thank you. You, you bet. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Parker. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Again, uh, 405-651-3439. That's 405 651 uh, yeah, and TJ was uh, talking about the Darius Baisley situation. That deal went down about 40 minutes ago. Um 
with uh, Dario Saric uh, coming to Oklahoma City, and uh, Darius Baisley headed out to Phoenix to play with KD and the new crew out there, which uh, that starting lineup, again, looks pretty pretty good uh, when you talk about uh, CP3, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, KD, and probably TJ Warren. Uh, it's also going to be interesting to see how the Luka-Kyrie mix works out uh, in Dallas. The Western Conference got a lot more interesting. There's no doubt about it. Okay, break time here on your Thursday edition of Steel Man and Thune here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studio. When we get back, we'll get to as many texts as we can right here on The Ref. It is the home of Sooner fans, the ref on a Thursday. Tomorrow I will be out live at Riverwind Casino. Here in the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios on this Thursday, Sooner softball opens tonight. Mark Campbell Invitational out in Irvine, California, 6 o'clock against Duke, 9 o'clock against Liberty tonight. And, again, those are on uh, Flow Softball, the app. And, again, all the uh, Sooner home games are going to be on um, ESPN+. Plus. So, uh, there you go. The start of the attempt at the three-peat begins tonight again uh, for the OU women's softball team. 405-651-3439. Let's get back to your uh, text before we get out of here and get ready to get locked in at the top of the hour. Santa John says, Parker, why would, hel- why would hiring Kellen Sampson be swinging for the fence for Joe C? Where is Kellen presently a head coach? Well, he's never been a head coach before. He'll be a first-time hire, but – I think the reason why that would be swinging for the fences is much the same reason why the Sooners going after Brent Venables was regarded as swinging for the fence, right? Because Kellen Sampson is widely regarded. I can't remember who tweeted it. One of the national basketball reporters, maybe it was Matt Norland. I can't remember who. One of those national basketball reporters tweeted a couple days ago that if there is a guy that's currently an assistant that is going to go somewhere and be a Power 5 head coach in the next couple of years and have instant success, it's going to be Kellen Sampson. He's kind of unanimously regarded across the board as one of the top assistants in college basketball and a guy that's regarded as somebody that, when he becomes a head coach, is going to instantly make waves. So I think that would make a ton of sense for Oklahoma if you have a vacancy and only if you have a vacancy because, for now, Porter Moser is still the head coach. Um Let's see what else we have on the text line. People, people had very conflicting opinions on the Michael Turk conversation because somebody made the joke about him punting into the end zone a whole bunch of times this he past did, season. I said, he, I, yeah, he did I mentioned a, I don't think the Gunners – Too many of those. Yeah, I, I said I didn't think the Gunners did a phenomenal job either. It wasn't all on Turk's shoulders. Somebody said – Blaming the Gunners? Are you serious? Don't speak to us like we didn't watch the games. We watched every snap, too. He consistently punted into the end zone. It's zero fault of the Gunners. He's got a huge leg, but he has to improve directionally or his NFL career will end quickly. Then somebody else came in and said, Turk is hands down the best punter we've ever had. What an idiot. So, mm. conflicting opinions. Um... Could our basketball coaches take an extended recruiting trip to a foreign land and bring back about three seven-footers, please? <laughs> oh, man. I Somebody, I think it was Super 70 Sports, uh, tweeted out that old picture of Minute Bowl when he was at Bridgeport back in the day, uh, which was like a Division II school or something. And, I mean, Minute was 
obviously, what was he like? Seven seven, I think it was. Yes. But that picture, uh, it was the Super Seventies Sports account, and it's still one of the greatest pictures ever. I mean, it, it looks like uh, a giant and a bunch of uh, vertically challenged people going at each other on the basketball court. Uh, listener from the four hundred five said. Turk hands down the best punter. Tressway is begging for a word. Tressway's been at it for a long time. He has. Unfortunately, when I think of Tressway, I always think about the three, was it four missed field goals that he had against Nebraska in 2009? It was was a very tumultuous time for Oklahoma on special teams. I think Jimmy Stevens ended up kicking by the end of that season, Mm -hmm. but... Tressway was handling place-kicking duties in that game. I think he missed three field goals, if my memory serves me correctly. Of course, Landry Jones throws five interceptions that night. Uh, Gosh, what was the safety's name? Matt O'Halloran or something like that that ended up with three of those picks for Nebraska. Um, And the Huskers won that game 10-3 in what was the last matchup between those two teams in Lincoln until Oklahoma went up there this past fall. And beat Nebraska 49-14. to What about Jeff Ferguson? Uh, Jeff Ferguson was pretty good. Real heady play in the 2000 yeah, National absolutely. Championship Take game. Take that safety. Be careful, man. Uh, Tress wasn't the actual kicker, though, Parker. Yeah, I know. I understand. I understand he wasn't the actual kicker. You just got well um, actually guide right there. Yeah, huh Way is a Pro Bowl punter. End of story. Tressway beaten Penn Stanford in the bowl game. Best performance ever by an OU punter. Austin Seibert doesn't get enough credit for his punting. That comes from a listener in the 580. Turk had a driver for a leg, but he didn't have a pitching wedge. His touch was not great. His power was unreal. Another listener says, I always called Jimmy Stevens Pinocchio. He was so little. Hmm. Jimmy Stevens, yes. I'm still trying to get over the uh, curse of the burrito. I'm still flabbergasted by that. Sugar Shane in Newcastle on the text line asked, what edge players are we targeting in 24? Well, OU's top edge target is Will Nwineri. Beyond that, I know Oklahoma really, really likes Jay Sean Ross out of Liberty North, Missouri, and I think OU's got a good chance there. They're not going to end up with Danny Okoye. I think edge is also one of those positions right now where you can afford to ease off a little bit in the class of 2024. Because you got PJ out of Bar A and Taylor Wine in the class of 2023. And I know everybody's going to rave about PJ, and understandably so. The kid's a freak, but Taylor Wine is not a guy that should be overlooked either. By the way, our man, the Drake, Drake Dyken, uh, said uh, Tress was 1 of 4 that day. Jimmy started the season as the kicker was terrible and was the 2008 kicker, too. From the Drake, the one, the only, Drake Dyken. So, uh, let's see, 405-651-3439. We've got a few more. I think we've got a few more minutes. David Is David Stone a Michigan State lean? No, not right now. I think the Michigan State buzz is apocryphal. Parker, five-star tight end from Texas. We have a chance. I forgot his name. That would be Devon Mitchell. He just transferred out to the Mule Shoe Feeder School, Los Alamitos, California. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to USC, and I think OU still has a really, really good chance there. But the reason Devon Mitchell transferred out of state was because he didn't want to have to go through what Michael Hawkins is going through right now with UIL in the state of Texas and having to get eligibility issues sorted out. Sounds like another sleazy mule shoe move to me. 
listen, Mule Shoe is sleazy. We know this to be mm-hmm. the case. Oh, yeah. But I, it'll be refreshing, won't it, if and when Devon Mitchell goes somewhere that isn't USC and Mule Shoe gets a kid stolen out from under his nose. I don't think T.A. Cunningham's going to end up at USC either. So Los Alamitos has been kind to Mule Shoe to this point. I don't think it's going to be a case going forward where, oh, the kid's at Los Alamitos, he's automatically going to USC. Okay, out of time. We're going to get locked in. we got Tyler McComas and uh, Parker right around the corner. Appreciate all the text today. Thank you very much. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. want to thank our friends down in Paul's Valley, Exit 72 at the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Oh, the Jackson kid, yeah. We'll talk about that. That's coming up. Coming up on Lockton. We'll yeah. talk about Nick Jackson. The news is out. Nick Jackson, Iowa Hawkeye. All right, stay tuned. We are going to get locked in up next. Thanks again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, and thank you to our friends at Riverwind Casino. Great February promotions happening out there. Get out there. We'll see you.